Callie, why are you why are you crying? Well, we just watched Bohemian Rhapsody, and I just I blew up. It was so emotional. It was a beautiful masterpiece, and just the way it um, talked about Freddie Mercury's life and his struggles just really touched me. Um, just because some of his issues, I can somewhat understand his problems with and why are you crying so hard i don't know it's just you know at the end they had like all the tribute stuff and i'm like oh dang it you're gonna make me cry and i did hi friends welcome back to the sparrow nest podcast tonight i'm really excited to be doing this one i think it's gonna be amazing we will be talking about the musical biopic movies we've watched over the last week. I am here with Callie, Lily, and Keith, and we are going to talk about these movies, our thoughts on them, how we feel the movie may have missed or been on point, and what movies we are looking forward to. Doing this one into two segments, uh, one with the movies that we uh, watched together, and then the other one, Keith and I watched a couple other movies um, that the girls were not allowed to watch due to content. So, without further ado, Callie, do you want to share your thoughts on Bohemian Rhapsody? I personally thought that the movie was flawless in almost every way. Um, it just made me so happy, but it also made me really sad. And it just had a really good touch to it when it came to... Freddie Mercury's personal life and his life on stage. So, Lily, what did you think? Um, I, I really, really liked it, and it, you know, it just it shows not only Freddie Freddie Mercury and just like how everyone saw him, uh, but it also showed how he interacted with his bandmates and with the people that he loved and just how kind of like broken and sad he was but how he made it how he made it look good on him and he was just fabulous in every way is there anything that you all did not like about the movie mm, I feel like they expressed way too much like the um, criticism that the bandmates gave to each other and Freddie and not so much the bonding that they made together I feel like there was a lot of criticism and not a lot of friendliness which is really but do you think the criticism is a part of the creative process that musicians have well, yeah. and part of their growing yeah but of course I feel like the kindness is important too I feel like it really brought everybody down and they could have been a lot better you know like I feel like they did reach their potential because of that even though they obviously did amazing but <laughs> <clears throat> and like I think with that um it just I think that it would have like that was also just a really true part I mean there was a lot of probably a lot of hate within their band not hate but like just a lot of criticism with each other just because um just where they all were and how Hollywood and just fame and them being such a highly influential band just how all that just struck upon each other and how they just they had str their struggles between each other so, Lily, you have been, before this movie came out, you have been listening to Queen and really getting into their music. Do you think that the movie portrayed their music um, correctly? It did. Like, just showing uh, their their music along with their, their story, it just, it made the music make even more sense and make it uh, just more of a story in a way if you saw their personal life and their process of the making it just makes all the music just go well together and just become a million times better i i really liked how it showed some of the creative process of some of the, the tunes you know where it it starts out as just a, a little tune in freddie mercury's head and how it grew to be these completely famous songs were you were you surprised on Freddie Mercury's personal life and his personal struggles um 
<clears throat> well, yeah, because, you know, I knew he, he obviously, he died of AIDS, and he was just struggling, and he was gay, but it was, like, just showing all the struggle in that era, and just how everything with his own personal beliefs in life, and just, you know, that against his family in Hollywood, and just the world, how that just clashed together and made Queen better, and the music better. And Callie, what did you think about the personal side of his story? Personally, I wasn't surprised, just because um, I know some of the side effects of fame that I've seen in various other movies, various other stories that I've seen or heard. Um, I'm not surprised. I enjoyed the personal side of Freddie, but at the same time, I was not surprised at all. Keith, you did not watch the movie with us, um, but you, you've watched the trailer with me. You know that I'm a big fan of Queen. But I know that you said that you were happy that the guitarist had a lot of in, input into the movie. Yeah, I mean, that gives, the, uh, that gives the movie more meaning when the musicians have some sort of control in the story to where they don't get to make up, you know, Hollywood makes things up and it takes away from who the band actually was. I think the best part about this movie is that it gave the meaning of the songs back to the band, like we are the champions and things, you know, yes. end up on the Simpsons and it's such a cliche song, you know, it just gave the song back to the band and, you know. I cannot, I didn't even think about that, but I cannot agree more because you think of like, we are the champions and we will rock you, that these are, these have become like sports anthems. Yeah, and baseball games and basketball games, you know. Which is fun. I mean, it, it's a part what we've created in that sports culture as, you know, hyped up jams, but, but yeah, it gave it back to the band and their whole purpose between writing We Will Rock You was, like they said, to involve the crowd. Well, they knew how to bring people together, obviously. They controlled that whole big, huge, what was a Live Aid crowd or Live Aid? That was, a, you know, a big, huge chunk of the world watched that show when it happened. It was a big deal. And, uh, I mean, it's easy to listen to their songs come on the radio, you know, and uh, just know the songs. And it, it's crazy to see the story of all the conflict that they had growing. You know, that whole story is fun to see where these songs come from because you hear them 15 times on the radio and see them on movies and, like you say, hear them at games and things like that. But I thought it was cool that they gave it back to the band. And visually, it looked like they did a good job making the movie. So, in this movie, there was a lot of criticism from the LGBTQ community that they felt that the story did not focus enough on Freddie Mercury's personal sexual life. I think that's stupid. You can only put so much in a movie, and if you didn't know the story of Freddie Mercury already, then what's the point, you know, you should... Well, for, for me, I think that they put just enough in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, do you all agree? Yeah, yeah for I don't, sure. I don't think that they should have... It, it's called Bohemian Rhapsody. It's not called Freddie Mercury. So, you know, even though he was, you know, the the main part of Queen, it wasn't all about him. And they, they included it, yeah, because it was a big part of Queen, but... I mean, you could you should have been able to figure it out just by little bits and pieces, but he wasn't the full star of the show, and they should have, they kept it at a right amount. I think so, too, because I don't want to watch any biopic about anyone that focuses solely on their sex life, gay, straight, whatever. Right. So, I know that that's been a big controversy, <laughs> but I... It's just part of what... You know, I'm not trying to take away from what he did coming out in the 70s and 80s. That's a huge deal. I'm not saying that's not. But it, like I said, if you didn't already know his story and you know who Queen was, then that's a whole nother movie in and of itself. You know, like Lily said, it could be Freddie Mercury's story and whatever. Go make that movie, you know. Right. This movie was, <laughs> this movie was a movie about the bands and gave the songs back to the band, you know. 
Okay, so let's move on to the next one. Keith, have you seen Selena? I've seen bits and pieces of it, like over the years. I've never sat and watched the whole entire thing. I know the story of Selena. Okay. So, uh, Selena, I remember when she passed away, I was at my grandparents' house. I can't remember when it was, but it was for a holiday, Thanksgiving or Christmas, and they were talking about, you know, her being shot and, and murdered and how, I mean, gosh, I was probably nine or ten when that happened. Pretty young. But, like, I did know her music. I mean, I was listening to pop at that age and... It was very sad. When that movie came out, I had no idea who Jennifer Lopez was. I think that was like her big breaking uh, she moment. Was a star at that point she was seventeen in the movie. Okay. Yeah, she's a teenager. But I remember when the movie came out, the first time I watched, I fell in love with Selena as a person or character in this, you know, sense of the, of the movie, and then fell in love with Jennifer Lopez. I haven't cared about anything the chick has done since then, but, like, I loved that story. I loved how they portrayed it, how they showed the family dynamics. I really enjoyed this movie. Uh, Callie and Lily, I know that you all have watched it. Often. Uh, Callie, I know you've watched it a lot. <laughs> yeah, I love that movie so much. So do you want to talk a little bit about that one? Um, yeah, definitely. Um, something that really touches me is... Um, near the middle of the story when they're looking for, I think it was a guitar player or something, and they found this guy, and she just, like, immediately fell in love with him, and the dad was like, oh, no, this guy's trouble. He does, like, rock and roll stuff, and I don't want no rock and roll stuff. But that's kind of, like, what was happening, you know? Instead of the traditional, like, Spanish, you know, mariachi bands, like, nobody wanted to listen to that anymore. So they were like, give me some rock and roll, and that's what they did. And, I mean, her dad supported him until they secretly got married and he was like oh no no uh uh and I was like yeah I totally get that but at the same time yikes <laughs> that part kind of makes me like say uh oh every time I watch it but, but you like the whole love story I do and... I I always love those kinds of stories they make me really happy um the end it makes me really sad when I find out um that her best friend, the person who helped get her into her, her career, Yolanda. She ran her fan club. She oh. did, yeah. Um, I can't believe that she was the one who was scamming her, taking her money, you know, she and ended up shooting her, and that's who killed her, and I just think it's tragic. And it's so strange for, like, most women who go to prison or commit crimes, it's like crimes on fraud. <laughs> And so right. you think about this woman who was very close to this other woman killed her over money. That That's a crime that in and of itself is not a common one amongst females. So the whole thing was just incredibly tragic. Shocking. Yeah, very shocking. Yeah. Lily, you're my fashion queen. What did you think about Selena's fashion career? I mean... She was just in every way beautiful. Like, it, you know, she was super fit and, like, she was just, she was just beautiful. And, like, I loved her out, I loved her outfits. They were, it was so, it was a hip-hop Mexican, uh, just, it was just a combine of all these different types of styles that just, all blended well on her, and it was just amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I love the little bralette bustier tops yeah. and, and the little, like, flamenco-style, like, booty pants. Yeah. She was so cute, just so stinking <laughs> cute. But I, I love learning about her life, and uh, I really, I've just always liked that movie. Um, let's talk about... What's love got to do with it? You all just watched this one for the very first time. Did you even know who Tina Turner was? Yeah, I I knew a few of her songs. You know, you know, just like Proud Mary, uh, just songs that really everyone knows. But I didn't really know her or her personal life or just how she really became famous. So, uh, what's love got to do with it? This is one of the only biopics that we watched where the 
subject was is still alive. Right. So that's one big difference. To this day. Right. Right. And when the movie came out. Right. But the movie was based on the book I, Tina. And it was her personal story of of her account of what had happened to her throughout her life and her career. I mean, beginning to end, you all were just shocked through this entire movie. And it is a very shocking story. So what, Callie, did, did you get out of this movie? Um, well, personally, I felt really connected with her. Like, I totally felt a connection with her story. And um, I was just heartbroken. I was absolutely heartbroken the whole movie. And just... Because here was this guy she was crushing on. Right, and she loved him so much. Right. But there was nothing she could do at that point about the abuse and, like, her children. And she took care of these, this other woman's two babies. Um, and I just thought that part, I was like, yeah, you, you go, girl. Right, because she she didn't look at those other two kids as a burden. She looked at them as someone who... As a blessing. Right, what? Well, she was in a, a very similar situation where her mom abandoned her with her grandma. Said, right. you know, I can't take any more of this. I think she was also in an abusive relationship. So she took mm-hmm. the older daughter and they went to St. Louis. And so uh, Tina was left in the care of her grandmother. And so I think that she probably saw with the the other two little boys that got dropped off at her house... The same situation. And instead of saying, I'm not taking care of this other woman's kids, she welcomed them with open arms and... Made them her own. Yes. And I, I thought that was just... I mean, just shows her nature, her caring nature, mm-hmm. uh, how much she she valued family. Despite everything. Despite right. her past. Despite her husband. Her... Got a kitten jumping on the table. Um, <laughs> I felt sad for her the whole time. Like... She lived, she's lived, like, such a great life, but, like, just the events and how people, uh, just how they, they try to use her and how they, like, Ike, um, just, he used her and her gift of singing, and, um, just, she, she used, like, he just, he used her, and she was still trying to just live a normal life, but it was just the whole movie and I just I felt bad for her but I just I love the good ending that it has oh yeah her. I mean she took control I think that her finding spirituality with the Buddhism really gave her the benefit and the backbone that she needed to become independent to have that time to meditate meditate and think about her own personal inner strength and that is what helped her finally say enough is enough and get out of that situation, begin her own career. And the the fact that she took control over a situation she was powerless in, um, that was a very inspiring story. Plus, Tina Turner is amazing. Like, mm-hmm. she just... She really is. Yeah, and, and the acting in this movie, I just thought was so good. Angela Bassett is just beautiful and... I think she represented Tina Turner, Tina Turner, very well. Right. I mean, yeah. She looked just like her. I mean, it was easy to see Tina on the movie. You know? Right. Some movies you have to look real hard to see the actual person, but she looked just like her on stage. You know. I mean, her body shape, the costume design was spot on. Yeah, and then her dancing around and just the faces that she made. Yes. Looked just like her. It was pretty good. You know. And how. How easily hateable was Lawrence Fishburne. Of course. He did such an amazing representation of what we have learned that Ike Turner is or was. I got so angry. I got Uh, so angry. I mean, what a... (laughs) It was always a myth, you know, that Ike was just that kind of person. But to see it on screen, (laughs) he did a great job. More believable. Right. But I, I just, I've always enjoyed that movie as well. Uh, you guys watched one today that you didn't make it through. No, we couldn't. We couldn't do it. It was absolutely <laughs> terrible. So they started watching um, Bird. It's a Clint Eastwood directed it in I think 1988, and it has 
Forrest Whitaker in it. And he plays Charlie Parker. Uh, and they could not get into the story. They could not get into the acting. It was, was slow. Honestly, like, it was a slow movie. I feel like, just for me personally, like, I have no idea who he was. I know, it, like, so, <laughs> I feel like it would have been better if I knew him or, like, if I knew who he was and I knew the music and I knew just... You know, backstory because it kind of just it seemed like it started in the middle of it seemed like I walked in and it was just the middle of a movie like I didn't understand what was happening like that's <laughs> it what really it really was because it started like at the end of his life and not at the beginning and I was like whoa what just happened like yeah. what even who is this guy where did he come from I was confused I was annoyed <laughs> with how slow it was going I was like I have to turn this off I'm gonna turn on Greatest Showman and that's it so I was over that movie <laughs> See, I, I didn't watch any of it with you guys, but I, I'm interested in watching it. It's on, like, one of the best, uh, I think, top ten biopic movies. Oh, yeah. So, and, and, and I like Charlie Parker's yeah, music. a story to be told, though, too. Right, and he died of heroin in the not 50s. Not, that's not true? No, he died from bleeding ulcers. Which were the original problem and why he was a heroin addict. Ah. I did some research. Okay, very good. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I need, I need to watch a little more about that one. Um, let's talk about Beyond the Sea. I love that movie. Mm-hmm. That was an amazing movie. Okay, so why was it an amazing movie? Well, I had no clue who Bobby Darren was. I had no idea, like... I've heard some of his songs, of course, but I had no idea about his story. I didn't know any of his stage presence or anything. And and then I watched this movie, and I was like, wow, like this is intriguing. I'm going to watch more of this. And I found myself crying by the end of it. I was like, this is such an inspirational story, and I loved it. It was amazing. It was a beautiful movie. Uh, so Kevin, Kevin Spacey, he plays... Bobby Darren, and he looks dead up on him. <laughs> Sounds amazing. Uh, Kevin Spacey, with everything that's come out about him, skeezes me out. But yeah. right. <laughs> um, I, I, I did I like that movie. I remember watching it when it came out, and I was the same way. I didn't know who Bobby Darren was. I'd heard the song Be- um, Beyond the Sea. Nemo. It's a Nemo. You know, <laughs> so, uh, so that's, that's yeah, that's where I knew the, the song. But the love story between Bobby Darren and Sandra D. Oh my gosh, my heart was just exploding. I mean, and the fact that she never remarried after he had passed. I know. Exactly. <laughs> I... Okay, I love in the movie how they incorporated, like, throughout the whole movie, they, they had, like, his adult self and also his child self. Like, they communicated together. Yeah, yes. and it was just, like, in one of the biggest, you know, like, in the climax of it, how they took both parts of the situation, him, like, and him as an adult and him as a child, and just, they used both of it, and at the end they did a dance number together and it was just it was so cool like I, I liked it yeah I, I thought that was really the dancing in that I really liked oh yeah oh, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> and I mean Lily you know I, so I meant to ask you the other day the tap dancing that they show in the movie is mm-hmm. that the same style of tap that you do or is what they showed like a little more Vegas flair um for me and me it is. It's what this is the type of tap I do, um, but then again, like my tap, it's a lot. It's kind of different because we do do a lot more, you know, flary type stuff that they did show in uh, Beyond the Sea. So yeah, I related to that tap a lot better. But it's not like you know, like the classic tap. Okay. We change it just a little bit in my class. Okay. Cool. Did you want to say anything else about Beyond the Sea? Just touched me, touched my heart, pulled yeah. my heart spring, heart strings. I, I thought it was a really shocking story. Um, it it also brought about the fact that he was raised by his grandmother. That shocked me, right? So much. I was like, whoa, his 
Because at the beginning when it said his sister was older, I was like, that's weird, you know? And I was like, how is his mom still able to have kids? But that's not my business. But (laughs) (laughs) She could have had her when she was 20. I mean, you never know. Anyway. But for that time period, that was a very common thing that happened that, um, you know, if if a teenager gave birth out of wedlock, Mm -hmm. that... Their mother would take the child as their own. Right. And so that that was a scandal. Mm-hmm. And I mean, dangerous. yeah. Very dangerous. That, that was um, shocking. But let's talk. The last movie that we're going to talk about with the girls is Walk the Lawn. Mm-hmm. We, we love that movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> is it Joaquin Phoenix that we love? Is it Reese Witherspoon? Is I'm it the music? Amazing. What is it? It's everything. Joaquin Phoenix is pretty great. <laughs> he he sounds just so much like Johnny Cash. It, it's he looks great too. Yeah. Wasn't he like? Wasn't he personally chosen by Johnny Cash to play? Uh, he it? was actually. Yeah. Yeah, like they towards the end of Johnny Cash's life. Yeah, like said yeah. he got to see it before he passed, but mm-hmm. by the time we saw it, I'm sure he was already gone. Yeah. But it's a great movie. And Joaquin Phoenix doesn't, I mean, he kind of looks like Johnny Cash, but at the same time, he does such a good job, it's easy to see Johnny Cash there in the movie. You know? Right. Yeah. Um, okay, so one of my favorite things about that movie, Shooter Jennings plays his dad. Oh, yeah. my goodness. I thought that was the best thing. I was like, oh, my goodness, I love this. Well, like, whenever I, before, like, I knew who Shooter Jennings was, I, like, I knew who Waylon Jennings was, and I didn't really understand, because, you know, Daddy had said, oh, he gets to play his father, and I was like, oh, I wonder who that is, and then, you know, like, we would listen to Shooter Jennings in the car, and I was like, oh, he's in Walk the Line. <laughs> he's awesome, I mean, uh, what can I say? <laughs> who else could play his dad better than Shooter Jennings? <laughs> right? I mean, it's such a small part of the movie, but no. I really wish they could have done more about that, you know, more with that. It's just cool to see him, you know. Right, or Cameo, the, parents or whatever. Yes, or also I kind of wish in that movie that they would have done more of the highwaymen. Yeah, that, that's a like I said, another movie in and of itself. Too, I know. There's a lot of guys' stories in that. You know, <laughs> oh yeah. Willie Nelson and those kind of guys, but Chris Christopherson. But Johnny Cash has his own story. Each of those guys has their own story. Right. <laughs> the highwaymen could be like a trilogy. You know? <laughs> But they did a good job. I mean, there's a great love story in it, too, where it's just you have to try to make it happen, and it finally happens. You know, it's it's a pretty flawless movie. I it, always like that movie. Yeah, it really is. My favorite part, um, other than, of course, Shooter Jennings, is when they're at Folsom and the interaction with the warden. You know, that Johnny Cash was not going to play his game. Yeah. He always did his own thing, you know. He's the man in black. Went to the Grand Old Opry, smashing light bulbs out and things. I know. He doesn't take to authority very well, you know. He doesn't take to anything. famous shirt of him, you know, flipping off the public, you know. He just, right. He does his own thing. He always did till the end. But they did a good job in the movie. That's all I can say, you know. Absolutely. What was your favorite song in the, in the movie? Mm. It ain't me. I like that one. That's the duet. Yeah, I love that song. I like the Jackson when they were singing Jackson. I like that one. That one was that, that one's good. Um. Yeah, I like that one. That one's my favorite out of the whole song, or out of the whole movie. <laughs> Uh, so I'm going to wrap this up with the girls. Uh, are there any musical biopic movies that you all would like to see? Like any any future people that you guys are into? Mm. You know who would be really good? Probably um, Patrick Stump from Fall Out Boy. Oh, my. Oh, are you? you need to wait about fifteen years. Let's go. Okay, so why no. why would you like to hear his story? Like he's just an interesting person. He's a goofball, and I know he's been through some things. I just want to hear more about those things that he's been through. I'm just 
a curious person. <laughs> Leave me alone. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm just curious <laughs> about Everyone the story. Everyone has their own opinion. I'm just <laughs> We're I picking know. on you. I know. Leave me alone. It's an age difference. Um, Lily, what about you? I would really like to see a David Bowie movie come out. Yeah. Uh, but we have to wait a little bit. I mean, his family's being But at stubborn. the same time, we have to remember you can't put everything in a movie. Just it's going to be an awesome movie if they all, if the stars align, you know. The next one that comes out is Rocket Man. You guys have I seen the trailer. There's a trailer out for that. I'm really excited about that like one. They're going to do a good job with that. And oh, yeah. Surely and that, they'll make a David Bowie movie next. Oh, know? they must. They, right. they should. If they don't, then they do it all wrong. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's in the works, and they, um, I, I think that just the estate, David Bowie's estate, um, they are being very tight-lipped about things. It's pretty recent, you know. Maybe his, his son is a director. If his son would get the rights to direct the movie, that would be amazing. Oh, that would be cool. I didn't so, know that. Yeah, he's he's like, working on that right now. I can't remember his name. Duncan or something. I can't remember his name, but he's a director. Is it Bowie? No, it's not Bowie. <laughs> <laughs> I think he has a different last name. Okay. Uh, I also read today that they are working on a Beatles movie. Uh-oh. Are you serious? Really? Yeah. Yes. And Ed Sheeran is going to star in it, which I, I don't love Ed Sheeran so much. Who is he gonna play? It's like, a lot of pressure. I don't know. I don't know yeah. which. It, he better not play John Lennon if he does. No. <laughs> <laughs> He doesn't look like him. It's a lot of pressure. Like we were talking about the other day, there's certain bands that are just so big, it's hard to make a movie about them. Yeah. Right. Whoever directs it or stars in it is going to be criticized no matter what. So as long as they do their best job and leave it on the table, there you go. Well, and we were talking about how the the biopic movie, which we've watched mostly just musical biopics, we haven't watched a lot of the sports or... Uh, we've watched a couple of the political guys, but they they all start the same. <laughs> Every one of them. Did you all notice this? How yeah. all of the movies start with the end. they all yeah they yes. all start <laughs> with the end and of, then flashback to the very beginning. Right. We're all talking about the same thing, right? Yeah. Okay, awesome. This is every damn movie. Awesome. All right, that's what I'm thinking. They usually incorporate, like... The movies that I've seen mostly incorporate uh, drugs or alcohol into their life as, like, part of the main movie. (laughs) Like, the main, I mean, part of the movie, like. That's given in stars back then, especially, you know, I mean. Yeah. Well, they always, it's like, so the the movies start, it'll show an important role, important moment that's happening. It then flashes back to them as a child shows their rise to stardom or the band or whatever. Not Bird. <laughs> Bird doesn't do that. <laughs> Bird does not do that. They show him a mental breakdown. That's, that's about <laughs> that's it. That well, and, and then it shows a breakdown. It shows either <laughs> they get wrapped up in drugs, they become kind of a jerk, they get kicked out of a band, whatever. Sex addict, all that. Right. So... And then so it so it shows them rise to fame. It shows them crash, and then it shows this hero journey back to fame of either becoming sober, apologizing, both, <laughs> <laughs> whatever it may be. And then it ends on a moment dying. Well, not there. Yeah, <laughs> most of happy ending. Yeah, come on, this is America. <laughs> and then it gives you text as far as their ending in life right that's what my favorite part honestly is reading the text at the end yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so every one of those movies it's exactly the same i mean but they're all so good well and, and i mean they don't always get the timelines right some of the stories there might be some controversy behind them of whether true. or not it's accurate but once again, that's who's involved in the story. It takes a lot to make a good biopic. There's a lot of pressure, no matter right. who it is. You know, there's definitely going to be a story, and I'm sure it's a touchy story. But right, and what you're kind of green lights do you get to make the movie? You know? Right, and you're throwing all of this into a movie that's two hours or less. Yeah. You know, an entire career or person's life. But what? <laughs> 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 um, so. All right, so we are going to pause this, and we will be right back. 
Okay, we are back. So, put the kids down for the night, and now we're going to talk about Straight Out of Compton and Lords of Chaos. But first, how proud are you of our kids? They were so stinking cute, giving their opinions, and they did a good job. What did you, What do you think about them? It was fun. They did a good job. They had good opinions. It was really nice just sitting down as a family and just chatting and talking and. I think that that's another thing I really like about doing the podcast is that it's allowing us to choose a topic, prepare for it all week together, talk about our thoughts, talk about what we're going to talk about, and I really, really enjoy this. It's pretty fun. Um, okay, so now we'll talk about movies that kids were not privy to what did you think about straight out of compton i thought it was awesome like we did not watch it when it first came out we didn't watch it until this week and i'm kind of pissed that we didn't watch it when yeah. it came out because it was a damn good movie yeah they did a great job i mean i just you remember growing up when all this stuff was happening you know and it's another one that the artists were connected to the movie. So it seemed like they uh, did a great job telling the story. The actors, I mean, they looked dead on. Well, of course, you know, we had Ice Cube's was it son or brother son. or son. I think it's son. Um, he did a great job. He looked just like him. Yeah. It was crazy. Oh, my gosh. But, and like, I, I really like the cinematography in the movie, how it really put us back into those, like, music videos of the time and the same feel. Um, I, I, I just loved it. What did you think, um, what did you think, like, the main statement of the movie was? Like, do you, what was the main focus for you? Well, I think it made a circle of brotherhood in the end, you know. You make friends, and uh, they become brothers, and everybody goes through things, and they went through some stuff, man. It got ripped off, and it, oh, it was about money, you know. Oh, drives yeah. people apart, and uh, Easy made a bad deal and drove everybody apart, but luckily in the end, right before he passed, they... At least got to speak their piece. And, uh... Well, it broke my heart, you know, seeing him, like, on the phone, you know, with Dr. Dre and how happy he was. It was, uh... He finally got the point. Right. Really, you know. Because he grew up in uh, rough, rough times. Showed him in the beginning of the movie breaking into a place. You know, he was definitely a criminal. <laughs> right. From a young age. And that's us from Kentucky watching a movie about Compton, California, you know. <laughs> right. We definitely had an idea, you know. Right. Up poor and things like that, but. Well, I just, um, I just found it so, like, entertaining, like, watching them, like, in the studio, like, at the beginning, watching them creating this thing together and watching it come together and them playing with each other, you know, the fun punk outs and yeah. um, just partying and drinking. And it just, there was an innocent behind a situation that wasn't innocent. You know, I thought right. it was, it was cool. Um, plus the music in it was amazing. The the artists, they they just did a really good job betraying the, the people that they were. We had, we watched the the documentary The Defiant Ones, and it it set me up because a, a lot of the business and background story I didn't know, and so I really liked watching the actual documentary before watching this movie because I don't know it set up the timeline of like oh we know what's about to happen and yeah. I I kind of liked being able to follow the story like that. Yeah. I thought that was cool. Unfortunately, yeah, there's tragedies to mark 
the occasion, you know. Right. Like, well, we kept saying, well, when's Tupac going to show up? Yeah. Or where's, where's Snoop at? Like, we know oh, that they're about to show up. <laughs> they got it about right, you know. Um, so I thought that was just really, really cool. I gotta go kill this spider on the wall. Holy moly. <laughs> Keep talking. But, uh, yeah. I mean, I knew Dr. Dre's story. Of course, I grew up following his story as a young kid, growing up poor, you know. It was easy to relate to, uh, we told ourselves we lived in the ghetto, you know, and it was rough. So, I mean, and of course, rap music made its way when we were younger, you know, in middle school, probably, and, uh. So I followed Dr. Dre and all that, and so I remember all that stuff when it was happening. But uh, well, I, like Rodney King, like you know, it, it touched on the the riots, and I mean, I I remember watching that on TV. I mean, I was young. Yeah. But it definitely was on the news. It was definitely a big deal, as well. It should be, you know. It's hard to talk about this movie without talking about the racism part of it, you know. It's just the 90s were rough. Cops were rough, especially in a place like that, you know. Well, and I think a lot of that, I mean, it broke my heart. Um, like, the scene outside of the uh, recording studio where, like, they just threw everybody on the ground. And, like, the things that the cops were saying in the movie, um, it was just broke my heart for them, you know. And you could just... Of course, anger would come out of that. Right. And it was there in the beginning, but... And that gave him a purpose to write more awesome music, unfortunately. But it was definitely a dehumanizing thing. Well, yeah. And in songs like F the Police, I mean, you could see how... They touched a nerve. Yeah. It wasn't just them, you know. And didn't only touch a nerve in Compton. It touched a nerve around the whole country at that time, and it erupted. Do you see, like, a resurgence of that with, like, recent police brutality? Or do kids now think that they have it bad, but... There's a seesaw match going on. It's hard to say who's going to win. Like, we watch shows like Live PD, and it and it helps us see the cops as humans. Right. And no matter what group it is, there's going to be bad people in that group. But I think we're all, so at least subconsciously, pushing for... You know, the cop, we have to have police, so we might as well try to get the bad out of there, you know. Can't ever have it 100%, but there's always bad stories. It seems like most super recently, not that I know of. I try not to watch the news, unfortunately, but uh, I haven't heard about that super re- recently. I right. Know that definitely happens. But. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I also see where police began the corruption in Compton based off of, um, you know, they were in bad areas where a lot of things were happening, and so they assumed the worst about everyone. Right, right. You know, but, I mean, that doesn't make it right. But I see how that wasn't easily... And they were getting paid to do it, so that was their job. It was easy to tell them that was their job. And there was a life-or-death situation, so... They had to pick a side, and they chose the extremist version. And that's how it was in the 90s, man. I mean, I, even at Oldham County, I remember getting messed with by the cops, you know. Right. Because they just saw you as a punk kid. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I think they definitely should pull teenagers over, you know, especially nowadays. <laughs> but uh, just the things that they even made us do is just white kids driving around at nighttime, you know. Right. I could only imagine what they actually went through. And this is like a movie. Right. Once again, luckily we have at least Dr. Dre and Ice Cube. I think we're involved in making the movie. And uh, so. Well, and then Easy es wife, um, she was one of the writers and producers as well. Oh, awesome. And. I definitely told his story. It humanized him again. Right. Know? Especially when Death Row was involved. It was easy for us to look at him as the bad guy, you know. Right. I mean, he was just a manipulated kid exactly and he didn't it should have been ice cube he just lucked into the spot you know right and he ended up in the end it does sound cool that's cool you gotta like rap to like it i mean i guess you gotta like music for me you know well i mean even even though i'm not a fan of like today's rap i mean it brought me back to childhood it really did you know when um because what was that 89 to like 94 
you know, like 99 to 92, especially with the easy. Yeah. That stuff. And then, like, when they started showing, like, Snoop Dogg. I yeah. mean, that's when I was, like, really starting to watch right. MTV. And, 92 to 94. And, like, that stuff was cool, you know? It was when we were branching out to try to find our spot, you know, and that's what was popular. So it was easy to get a hold of, and they were saying something, you know? And, right. And us, especially as kids, just like they did in the 60s, we were, were trying to find our own voice, you know? And they were speaking something, and it was easy for us to identify with, you know. But, uh, yeah, I can only imagine what they had to actually go through, really. But for me, it was like, I knew Ice Cube was awesome, for real, but that movie was like, wow, I didn't know he was the man behind all of it, you know. Right. Basically, him and Dr. Dre made some awesome beats, and he always will. But Ice Cube is a poet. Oh, yeah. I mean, and... Oh, and Suge Knight. Like, I did not know his beginnings into it. He was... He's a bad guy, man. He was mafia. It wasn't gangster. Extreme version of uh, Al Capone or something. (laughs) Right? For real. Well, and I didn't know that he was, like, a football player, and he went to the... He went to college, UNLV. Yep. And... I'm guessing, because he knew a lot about contracts, and I'm guessing he either took some college classes or... He definitely knew what he was doing. Yeah. He he was he was a very corrupt businessman. Created a whole label and just made money, basically. He never did anything. Yeah. Just made money. He and, was the producer, you know. And then, so he went back to prison... Because he went on the set of the movie or so something to do with that? I can't the story, but yeah, he was leaving the scene of this while they were making the movie, and uh, some kind of altercation happened, and he ended up, I think he was driving or in the passenger seat, but they crashed in, ran over one or two people, and one of them ended up passing away, and uh, I didn't mean to laugh about it, but wow. In the end, he did go to prison for a really long time. Like he was just a really bad guy, and not... Not to mention all the connections with other um, rappers' deaths and other deaths that maybe we don't even know about yeah. and never will, who you knows? know? So who knows the real story of any <laughs> of that stuff? But the press was involved in money. Right. And then, like I said, the beginning of it, like you said, uh, straight out of Compton and just the beginning of all of that. Right. Started out as just a brotherhood. But, but I, I I really enjoy that movie. That's one I'd like to buy and and have in our collection. Um, okay, so this Lords of Chaos movie. <laughs> oh my gosh, it messed my head up so bad. It, uh, this is gonna get violent. So if anyone doesn't want to hear this stuff, then you might want to go ahead and tune out. This movie is about the Norwegian black metal scene. This what what year was this? I think all, a lot of it happened between eighty seven and ninety one. Was the first wave of all that? Holy crap! <laughs> so these guys were flipping crazy. Yes, they were crazy, crazy. So you actually were listening to this music during this time, right? Well, actually, I got a hold of it. We a while the time it made it over to us, you know, we got the first or the second wave of it. A lot of the bands were still connected. Some of the bands we were listening to were involved in some of the crazy stuff they did and were still in prison. And I don't know. It's intriguing. I always thought that kind of story was intriguing. You know, we watch these movies. Who doesn't? You know, it's a it's a murder story. And there's there's so much involved. And it is very violent. Yeah, so I would not... I mean, this movie was so violent... And the uh, special effects in this movie were so realistic. And, I mean, it shows everything. So, if you're at all... I'm not squeamish. (laughs) I am not squeamish when it comes to movies. This movie, like, two or three times... It's very bloody. It made me sick to my stomach because... And we watched all the Saw movies and all that kind of stuff, you know? Right, no. This was very realistic and... If nothing else, if they didn't get anything else right, you know, and there were definitely some misses on this movie for sure. It was, uh, but if they didn't get anything else right, every, there was a suicide, a murder, and a, uh, church burnings and oh, well, and then self self-harm, also. you know, the yeah. self-harm on stage. Okay, so for anyone who doesn't know, um... 
the Norwegian scene for black metal was created by Euronymous. Uh, You're going to be better to tell the story. You you know the story. You listened to the music during the time. You read the book that the movie is based on, and then you watch the movie. I, I really think you should take it from here. It's fun to hear you talk about it. But... It's crazy. I don't even know all these guys' names. So Euronymous created a band called Mayhem. Right. Mayhem got a lead singer. His name was Death. His name was Dead. Dead. Okay. He was a very crazy person. He was abused as a child or he was bullied and was, beat up? Yeah, I'm sure he was from a rough upbringing. I can't quite exactly remember his first years. I mean, he was gone by the time he was 21. So his life was very quick. But something happened when he lived in Sweden. Something happened and he was bullied and a bunch of people beat the crap out of him. And he technically died for a moment. I'm not exactly sure how long and uh, came back. And he was never right after that, you know. He and would uh, he would carry roadkill around with him so he could smell death <laughs> before he went on to perform. You have to be twisted to follow the whole thing. I agree. That's fucking twisted. <laughs> <laughs> so um, he would do that, and then um, he one thing I, I like that he would do he because they're they're protracting they're projecting this image of. Death, they were self-proclaimed Satanist. Um, he would bury his clothes and then wear them on stage. Yeah. He truly was what he said he was, dead. Yeah. Know? And uh, in the end, he does commit suicide in a very violent way. And they got it, as far as I know, I mean, as far as the book told me and what I know, what I heard, they got it all right. Okay, so he commits suicide. His friend, Euronymous, who is a bandmate, yeah. finds him. Leaves the scene of the suicide. Goes and <laughs> buys a camera to take pictures. Right. Those pictures are then used as album as artwork. A, yeah, as the cover of at least one album that I know of. And uh, it is... Disgusting. I agree. You know. It's disgusting. But uh And so there are rumors that he ate some of the parts. Yes. You don't have to go into complete detail. I'm sure a lot of people if it's anybody's listening have to fucking it all. gross. <laughs> but, uh, it's like definitely it's, uh it's basically you just it's a Euronymous story. There is a guy called Euronymous and he was a very good guitar player and he wanted to do something different. For whatever reason, they were mad at the death metal people that they weren't evil enough, you know. And if you've heard death metal before, you know that it's pretty crazy. And they just played crazy music and wore jeans and a t-shirt. And black metal people, Euronymous especially, created this image. And they just wanted it to be the most evil thing that there was. And they, I can't say that they didn't portray that. That first wave created... What is still talked about today, 25 or more years later, you know? Um, one thing I didn't like is uh, the other bass player that came into the band, he he had albums that he made himself. Um, well, he burnt down churches yeah. in Norway, and like that, that bothered me um, because these were like historic amazing places he, he burnt them down he was just they were all terrible people terrible terrible they were people definitely terrible people like i said it's just you know like i said the movies we watch and things like that is an interesting story but like i said different from reading the book i've always had this image in my brain like you said i've followed this music almost my whole life and to see the things it kind of shocked me to see the suicide and the murders, and I guess especially where you are as a person, too. Right. You know, not many people would probably make it through that movie. N no. But, uh, I had nightmares about it. <laughs> it messed me up. They did a good job. There was definite points that they hit that were, I can't say perfect, but from my, what my brain told me were perfect. They did a good job portraying who Mayhem was for a second, played some of the music, um... 
told the whole mayhem versus Burzum story and the murder involved in the end of that, the suicide of dead, you know, the uh, murder that. Oh yeah, because the one guy was like followed by somebody out of a bar, yeah. and he he led him to the woods and murdered him. He was a drummer from uh, Emperor, the original drummer from Emperor Faust. Did that, but they hit all those points as far as my brain told me were real. And like I told you before, I'd never listened to black metal or death metal ever until I met you and you showed me some stuff that you listened to when you were a young teenager. And the vocals are not for me, but the the guitar and the drums and I was very very structurally solid. I mean, it, it takes a lot of talent to have created those riffs and to have created that music. Yeah. Um, it's just not my gig. Understood. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I could see as a teenage boy um, trying to. It was a way to vent anger. Yes. Especially if, like, we were. I was a drummer, you know. And so to hear have someone do something that you can't do, that can maybe do in the future, it's like working out, you know. Right. It's a way to vent the anger and work out at the same time. You know? <laughs> right. It's something that we would look up to, not just at who they were as people. To, like right. I said, to see it on the to screen. To look up to music we knew musically. We people, but musically, it was easy for me to settle. Not all of them did all that stuff, but the ones who did were horrible people. Oh my gosh. So yeah, enough about that one. Um, so going back to just musical biopics, so we, we've got some new movies that are going to be coming out this year and then uh, some other movies that we still wanted to watch, um, that we didn't get to for the podcast. Um, are there any movies that you can think of that you would like to see get, get, be made in the future? Like any stories? There are a lot of stories to be told, you know. Like, uh, I was reading a while ago about the David Bowie movie. Yeah. Which will be awesome. Whoever makes it, hopefully, will do a good job and respect him as a person, if nothing else. But his son wants uh, Neil Gaiman to take control of a David Bowie movie, which would be really cool. But uh, the Leonard Skinner movie that has never been made yet, as much as you like or dislike Leonard Skinner, you know, there's a lot to be told there. When we were talking about Eric Clapton. Eric Clapton. Wow, there's... That guy was tormented his whole life. Right? I mean, he was really good friends with Jimi Hendrix. He lost his son when his son was very young. He was in all of these huge bands. He was featured in a bunch of um, other music with huge artists. So I, I think that that would be a really cool, cool story to that hear. That would be awesome to see, yeah. And we were talking about like a Pantera movie. That's not hard to tell, yeah. We made it in like five minutes. Right. <laughs> but yeah, that one would be awesome to see. Down back Daryl get his uh, respect he deserves. But a movie like that, something that we listen to as kids. Just right. the Mayhem movie is the only one, really. Well, I'm a... Uh... I'm feeling like the nostalgia, you know, of watching um, watching things that we grew up with and to see movies be made of people that we grew up, you know, listening to or um, I, I would just like to see more of it just for, like I said, nostalgia purposes. There's a lot to be made, no doubt. But yeah, like you said, seeing the Bohemian Rhapsody movie. The parts that I watched brings back memories of seeing the Live Aid concert, you know? Right. But uh, it's fun to watch. Are there any other music, uh, movies that you'd like to see be um, made? I would myself like to see a Pink Floyd movie of some sort be made, you know? Maybe a Sid Barrett version of Pink Floyd movie, which could be short and still awesome. Do you put The Wall as a biopic, maybe? That's really awesome to think about right there. But uh, I guess technically you can't call it a biopic. There's an argument in there. But there's a lot of that 
just album in and of itself that we can all identify with, but it was definitely parts of it written about Sid Barrett and Richard Wright and Roger Waters and David Gilmore and the things they went through. Right. It's all personified in that one person, Pink. So that's a that's a good argument right there, but that's that movie itself is awesome. Agreed. Um, and you can't talk about biopic music movies without talking about The Doors, at least, for a second. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, The Doors. Um, sorry. So, we yeah. Didn't to, we didn't get a chance to watch it. We haven't seen it for a while, but it's a great movie, too. Val Kilmer playing Jim Morrison, you know. Okay, so Val Kilmer has been in two good movies. That's one of them. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> two songs together, but... Right. Um, I freaking love that movie. It was the first, like, rock biopic movie I saw. I remember being in middle school. Oh, shallow. I remember being in middle school and being at my friend um, Greg's house. Greg St- Gregory Stacy, And I hung out with all of the little boys in the neighborhood. And... Their, his older brother was watching it, and, like, we watched it, too. And then I remember immediately thinking, like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be in so much trouble for watching this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I I loved it. Um, That movie introduced me to The Doors music. So I'd never listened to The Doors before watching that movie, and then instantly, like, went out and bought i think cassettes or something yeah those are on the time of best of the doors came out yes and that was around 94 ish too if i'm not mistaken you know yeah so all that stuff happened around the same time for us i i know that there have been a lot of things that have come out about that movie um where some of the things were exaggerated well, of course you know that's hollywood and i don't know how much the doors themselves had in making that movie it's an oliver stone if you know Oliver Stone, right. he can make whatever the hell, you know, excuse me, makes, you know, he wants to make. And I think he did a good job. I like it as a movie, you know, of The Doors. Oh, yeah. He did a good job making a movie of The Doors. Well, and I like how, um, and then this goes really with at least the last two or three movies we've talked about. There were certain photos of Jim Morrison or certain concerts where it's like those scenes were portrayed perfectly. Hit points, you know. Yeah. If maybe the movie was based around just that. Even some people have said, keep bringing up Bohemian Rhapsody, you know. That was based around the Live Aid show, you know. You make a movie around just that one thing. Right. And sometimes that's all you need. But. So, Jim Morrison, I, the other thing I liked about him is um in in the movie they didn't just glamorize him like they showed that he was a jerk yeah. you know that he was he was a drunk Definitely. you know and it wasn't just he was a poet but yeah you got to see his human side yes you know and the the thing with like the witchy lady you said that that was like a couple different people kind yeah, of personified combine three different people into one character I okay. think that's what happened, something to that degree. Pisses people off, you know, but it's it's a movie. Well, and I think that's with all of these movies that, like, some of the timelines were skewed. Like, um, in Bohemian Rhapsody, he did not tell his bandmates, like, right before Live Aid that he had AIDS. Right. And... Um, Makes for a good Hollywood movie, though. Exactly, you know? that they had to kind of skew those parts in there because, again, I mean, you're making a. As long as you go into it knowing it's a movie, man. You exactly, know? you're you're taking a person's life and career and condensing it down to less than two hours. Yeah, that's gonna be you know criticized no matter what. Luckily, we're <laughs> right. okay these days with three hour movies. You know, right? As long as it's a good movie, you can watch a three hour movie. It's hard to condense a person's life or a bunch of people's life into three hours, you know. Yeah. And, you know, and I think that after watching these, I want to go back. I know we've watched a lot of um, musical documentaries. And I want to go back and watch some of the... Sorry, guys. That's my dog shaking. Um, I want to go back and watch some of the uh, documentaries and... 
just be able to like compare and contrast and what was right versus yeah. oh this was kind of BSed a little bit. It's so fun to do that, right? And if for nothing else, if these movies are no good, they just might inspire you to re-listen these you know bands or get new fans or whatever the case may be. Right, you know? like Callie and Lily, would they have ever listened to Tina Turner? Right, ever. There's no reason to. Right, or but Selena. once you learn a story, it gives them meaning, you know. Exactly. And, you know, and they listen to The Doors because we listen to The Doors. They enjoy it. They listen to it on their own without us. And now, as far as uh, black metal, no, I don't think I'll... Uh... I don't blame anyone <laughs> for that. I'm just shocked that they made a movie about it, you know. I know, And they I missed know. hugely a couple times, but who doesn't? Um, but I think that just learning about these people who inspire us artistically, I, I really enjoyed them. I mean, they were Hollywood movies. They weren't perfect. They follow this biopic format, you know, that has kind of been instilled in all of these. But I enjoy it. They're good entertainment movies. They're not necessarily meant to be Oscar award winning, even though they have one. Um... It's just, they're they're entertaining, and I've really enjoyed them. So, I really, really appreciate to everybody listening to this. Uh, like I said, I feel like this one was a lot of fun because the family did this together. We all prepped on it. We all did some homework, and really enjoyed this. So, I hope that you guys did, too. And if you have any suggestions for something else, just... Let us know what you might like to, to hear us talk about or have any good suggestions for us to research as a family together and really look forward to whatever we're going to do next week. I think that's what we're going to do tomorrow is talk about, okay, well, what would you all like to do next? But thanks for listening and we will talk soon.